Good evening, everyone, and welcome to our Sunday night study of the book of Revelation. I'm Pastor Chris Hall. It's good to have you with us tonight, those here in our sanctuary, as well as those who join us on our social media pages. It's good to have you with us as we continue to study the very last book of the Bible. And yes, it is a very relevant book for the days in which we are living. Tonight, as we continue our study in the book of Revelation, we're in Revelation chapter 21. And in just a moment, we'll begin reading in verse 9, and we'll read into the last chapter of the book of Revelation tonight. We're going to look at the New Jerusalem, the center of activity, the capital city of the new heaven and the new earth, that place where God's people will one day live for all eternity with all of the saints, all of the angels of God, with God himself. What a day that will be when we join together with all of the saints of all of the ages in that place that God is preparing for his people. Tonight, Revelation chapter 21, and we'll begin reading in verse 9. By the way, if you want to catch up on our study of the book of Revelation, there's a couple of ways that you can do that. You can go to the Mercedes Baptist Church Facebook page. That's Mercedes Baptist Church of Albany, Georgia Facebook page. And you can see our previous studies that are posted there. You can also go to uh, truesforlifewithchrishall.com. That's truesforlifewithchrishall.com. And you'll find all of our studies plus other studies as well. But you'll find all of our studies on the book of Revelation at that website. And it's the audio version of our studies. Again, it's Truths for Life with ChrisHall.com. Revelation chapter 21, starting in verse 9. John the Apostle, old John, bless his heart. He's on the Isle of Patmos. He's been there for quite a while. The Lord has revealed to him what we know as the book of Revelation. And he's coming now to the end of this book, the end of the marvelous revelation that God has shown to him as he records it, uh, records it for us. And so we read Revelation chapter 21, starting in verse 9. And John writes there, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. What a sight that must have been. Having the glory of God, her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Also, she had a great and high wall with 12 gates. And twelve angels at the gates, and names written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city, the New Jerusalem, had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. 
The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with a reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. Then he measured its wall, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. The construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardis, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chiroprase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. <laughs> Each individual gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like translucent, transparent glass. John continues, But I saw no temple in the New Jerusalem, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. And the Lamb is its light. And the nations of those who were saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth will bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day, for there is no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into the city. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life, the registry of the saved, the redeemed. Continuing in Revelation 22, John wrote, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, <laughs> and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Amen. Now, in these verses, John is given a tour of the New Jerusalem, heaven's capital city, the capital city 
of the new heaven and the new earth. First of all, I want us to look at the occupants of this city. The angel calls the new Jerusalem, the angel that is giving John this guided tour of the new Jerusalem. This angel calls the new Jerusalem the bride and the wife of the lamb. He calls it this because this is the place where the church, the bride of Christ, and the saved of all of the ages will live in this place for all eternity. Now, in the new heaven and the new earth, we will not be restricted just to the new Jerusalem in the eternal realm. Oh, we will be free to leave and enter the city through the pearly gates of that city. And we will enter and go out of that city as we serve the Lord in the new heaven and the new earth. And as we explore all of the wonders, all of the greatness of God and the wonders of His creation. But the new Jerusalem will be our home in the new heaven and the new earth. We'll go in and out of the city, but we'll come home to the new Jerusalem. And no matter where we go in the new, cre new creation, we will always come back home to that wonderful city, that city made of gold, the new Jerusalem. So the occupants of this city are the saints of God, the bride of Christ, and all of those who have trusted in God throughout all of the generations of mankind. Second of all, I want us to see the glory of this city. John's vision of the new Jerusalem began when he was carried in the spirit to a great and high mountain. And from that vantage point, John said he saw the holy city the new Jerusalem. He had that perspective from high atop a mountain. He could see the new Jerusalem, the holy city, the home of God's people. And the first thing that John noticed about this city, as he looked upon the new Jerusalem, our future home in the new heaven and the new earth, the first thing he noticed, the first thing he noted as he wrote, is that this city blazed and radiated with the glory of God. Verse 23, John says, and the Bible says, that God's glory will be so bright and so brilliant in the new Jerusalem that the city has no need of the sun and no need of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God illuminates this city and its lamp is the Lamb, the Lord Jesus. So John, as he sat up on that mountaintop and as he looked at the new Jerusalem, he said, I saw that it, it blazed with the glory of God, so glorious that there is no need of the sun or the moon. Now, this verse does not say that there will be no sun or moon in the new creation. But because the glory of God will not only fill the new Jerusalem, and fill all of the new creation, the light given by the sun and the moon will not be needed. 
And so the first thing John notes about this, this holy city, this new Jerusalem, is that it is set ablaze with the glory of Almighty God. Second of all, John talked about the exterior design of this city. Now, many people have the idea that the present heaven, not the new heaven and the new earth, but the present heaven, is some kind of dreamlike place, some kind of fog-filled place, some kind of floating, nebulous, non-material place. But the pictures of heaven that are given in the Bible, and the picture of the new heaven and the new earth that is given in the book of Revelation, reveal to us that the present heaven and our future heaven is going to be not some ethereal, nebulous, cloud-like, mist-like existence. It's a very real place, a very material place. When believers go to heaven today, what happens when believers go to heaven today, when their bodies die and their souls are separated and they go into glory? When believers go into heaven today, their souls don't just float around on a cloud. They look like some kind of translucent ghost. When a believer goes to heaven today, God gives their saved soul a physical appearance built upon their earthly appearance. God gives the believer's soul a temporary spiritual body. When you die and you go to heaven... If you go to heaven before the rapture of the church, when you die and you go to heaven, you'll leave your physical body here, but when you get to heaven, God's going God's to give you a, a, a temporary spiritual body. You won't be a disembodied soul. He's going to give you a body, temporary spiritual body in heaven. A real and tangible body based on the appearance of our earthly body but better and upgraded and glorified and free from all of the things that we have in this world. Now, this temporary spiritual body that we receive when we go to heaven now will be replaced with our glorified earthly body at the resurrection when God raises that earthly body, our earthly body, and He glorifies it and our soul which was separated from our body at death. Our soul will be rejoined with our resurrected body. But until then, when believers today die and go to heaven, they don't just float around like a blob. God gives them a temporary spiritual body. 2 Corinthians 5.1 For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, dies... We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And so as the present heaven is a real and material place, and we'll have a real material, though temporary, spiritual body in the present heaven, the new heaven and the new earth, the eternal place for God's people, the new heaven and the new earth will be a real and material world as well. In the heaven to come, believers will live in their glorified earthly bodies, which will be just as solid and just as real and just as material as our bodies 
are now, but our bodies will be glorified in eternity. The new Jerusalem, the capital city of the new heaven and the new earth, is described in these verses as a very real and a very tangible place. Just as real and just as tangible as the world in which we live in now. John describes the New Jerusalem as a massive cube-shaped cube city measuring 1,500 miles high, 1,500 miles wide, and 1,500 miles long. This means that just at the base of this city, the base of this city, will cover 2.25 million square miles. Just the base of the city. And not the other floors of the city that go up. So just the ground floor of the heavenly city will provide enough living space for more people than have ever lived in the history of the world up to this point. One person estimated that each believer living in the New Jerusalem, in all of the New Jerusalem, each believer living in the New Jerusalem will have a cube of 75 acres on each side just to themselves. <laughs> it's a massive city. The home city, the home place of all of God's people in the new heaven and the new earth. John said that this massive city to come will be surrounded by a great and high wall. And each side of the wall will have three gates, 12 gates in all. John saw that the massive wall around the New Jerusalem will be anchored by 12 foundation stones. The measurements and the features of the New Jerusalem they are impressive enough, but their description is even more amazing. The massive wall surrounding the New Jerusalem will be made out of one giant crystal clear diamond. And the city itself will be made out of pure gold as clear as glass. Each gate of the city is one giant pearl. <laughs> and the foundation of the city wall will be made of beautiful, precious, and costly stones. Our glorified bodies will no longer be limited by gravity. <laughs> it will be just as easy for us to travel vertically as it easy, is easy for us now to travel horizontally in our glorified bodies in the new heaven and the new earth. Consequently, the streets of the New Jerusalem will be vertical as well as horizontal. You say, well, Brother Chris, I don't understand that. To be honest with you, I don't either. But we're given enough details in this passage to help us to understand what a marvelous and beautiful place that place will be. And John is just scratching the surface in trying to describe his vocabulary is stretched trying to describe what he is seeing of the new Jerusalem. How beautiful heaven is now 
and how beautiful the final edition of heaven will be in the new heaven and the new earth. Next, I want us to see the internal character of the city. John entered into the city. He's given a tour of the city. Imagine that. And he noted that the streets of the city are made of pure gold like transparent glass. What a marvelous thing. John also saw that there is no temple in the New Jerusalem. No temple. In the Jerusalem on the earth, there was a temple. One of these days, there'll be another temple in Jerusalem. A couple of more, in fact. But John said when he went into the new Jerusalem and the new heaven and the new earth, he saw no temple there. There'll be no need for a temple in the new Jerusalem, John notes. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb of God, Jesus, are its temple. The glory and the presence of God will fill the new heaven and the new earth. And there'll be no need for anyone to go to a temple or a cathedral or a church or a chapel or any other house of worship to worship God. In the new heaven and the new earth, life will be worship and worship will be life. In the new heaven and the new earth, believers will constantly be in God's presence. There'll never be a moment in the new heaven and the new earth and believers are not in perfect, holy communion with God. John also noted that the new heaven and the new earth will be a place of equality. Those who are kings and those who are paupers in this world will have equal standing and equal access to the heavenly city. There won't be one gate for this class of people or this group of people. In the new heaven and the new earth, all will be equal. Whatever your station may have been in this world, whether you're high or whether you're low, in heaven we're all equal. All equal. Glory to God. John noted this, that the new heaven and the new earth will be a place of absolute security. The gates of the New Jerusalem will never be closed. By the way, why are there gates there? Well, the gates are made of one giant pearl. You know how pearls are made? Pearls are made out of agony by the clams that make the pearl. The pearls are the result of some kind of grain of sand that, of sand that gets into the pearl and out of agony. The pearl produces something to cover that grain of sand so it does not hurt the clam. It's, 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 the pearls are created out of agony. Every time we go into the city, we'll see that pearl and we'll know that we are able to go in and out of the city. We're able to be where we are because of the suffering of Jesus Christ. The gates of the ancient cities were closed at night to keep out marauders and invaders and criminals and other dangerous individuals from entering into the city under the cover of darkness. But in the New Jerusalem, there'll be no night there. There'll be no evil there. There'll be no potential for danger in the new creation. Huh. 
The gates will always be open. The new creation will be a place of rest, a place of safety, a place of refreshment, where the people of God will rest from their labors. Oh, my friend, the way for you in this world may be tough. It may be difficult. It may be hard. It may be challenging. But hold on, my friend, if you're a child of God, you're going to a place of peace and comfort, a place where you will be loved and accepted. Hold on, my friend. Hold on, my friend. For the present suffering of this world is nothing to be compared to what God has prepared for his people. All who are in heaven will be perfectly holy. Nothing unclean, no one who practices abomination or lying will ever come into the new Jerusalem. The only ones who will be in the new Jerusalem, in the new creation, will be those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. My friend, the moment you give your life to Jesus Christ, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, the registry of the saved. The moment you give your life to Christ, and there's no eraser on that pen, once your name is entered there, it will never, ever be erased. We are saved by grace, and we are kept saved by grace. And by the way, what name is written in the Lamb's book of life? Your earthly name, your earthly identity. Who you are on earth is who you will be in heaven, only glorified. Amen. Glory to God. <laughs> Finally, I want us to see the privileges of the city, the new Jerusalem, and the new heaven and the new earth. We'll look closer at these verses next week, but let's take a quick look at the privileges of heaven. There will be no curse in heaven. There'll be no more sin. No more sin. There'll be no more sorrow. No more pain. <laughs> no more death. No curse in the new heaven and the new earth. Believers shall serve God in the new heaven and the new earth. We will spend all of eternity carrying out the infinite variety of tasks that, uh, that the limitless mind of God can conceive. We will work and we'll enjoy it and we'll never get tired. Someone has said... You never work a day in your life if you enjoy what you do. In heaven, we will enjoy what we do. And it won't be work. It'll be rest. It'll be refreshment. We'll be busy. Heaven is not a boring place. Heaven is not a place where you just lay around. We will serve God, the Bible says. We will serve God, and we will explore the greatness of God. This world is boring. Not heaven. Not heaven. This world is boring. In glory, we will explore the greatness and the goodness of God. John noted that believers shall see the face of God. <laughs> we shall see the face of God. Because believers have been made perfectly holy and righteous because of Christ. 
They will be able to endure the heavenly level of the blazing, glorious light of the presence of God without being consumed, something which is not possible for mortal men or for the lost. We will be able to see the face of God. I've been saved for a long time. And on a daily basis, I pray to my Lord. I worship Him. I study His Word. I seek to serve Him on a daily basis. Jesus is my life. Jesus is what my life is all about. I live for Him. I live to serve Him. I live to honor Him. But I have never seen His face. But oh, my friend, one day, <laughs> one day I will. I don't know what I'll do. One day I will, and one day you will as well, if you're a child of God. We shall see the face of God. John also noted that God will write his name on our foreheads, identifying that we belong to him. When I was a child, my father took me to the store to buy me my, my first baseball glove. <laughs> I was just a kid. But I love to play baseball, and I didn't have a glove. And my daddy said, well, let's go to town. And we went to a, to a store in Cordell, Georgia. I never will forget it. Walked into the hardware store. They had all kinds of stuff in there. They had farm implements and household goods and everything. It was one of those variety stores, a hardware store. And they had a sporting goods department. And in the sporting goods department, they had baseball gloves. My dad said, well, pick one out. I picked one out. Probably cost $4, $5 back then. My dad bought me that baseball glove. When I got it home, you know what the first thing I did? I wrote my name on it. I wanted the world to know that that glove belonged to me. That was my glove. That was a source of security. I didn't want to lose my glove. That was a sense of identity. That was my glove. Listen, when you get to heaven, God's going to write his name on your forehead. He's going to say, you are. Mine, you belong to me. You're my child. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Glory to God. John noted that the glories of heaven and the glories of our present heaven. You see, there, there's a present heaven, but there's a final edition of heaven. That's the new heaven and the new earth. The glories of heaven will never end. Eternity. And when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we will no less have begun to explore who God is than if it was the first day that we were there in there, that wonderful place. Heaven will be a place of perfect health. We will drink of the crystal clear waters of the river of life. We will eat of the tree of life. No sickness, perfect health. Life in heaven will be perfect, fully energized, rich, and exciting. That's just a glimpse of the new Jerusalem. Now, if old brother John was standing before you tonight, he would say, yeah, I wrote all of that. I tried my best to record what I saw, but I want to tell you something. What I saw and what I have recorded here for you of what I saw doesn't even compare to the reality. Oh my goodness. Only scratching the surface. 
of the reality of the place that God has prepared for his people. You say, well, I don't know if that's going to happen. There's a lot of smart people in this world that says there is no heaven and is, there is no hell. There are a lot of smart people, a lot of people with all kinds of degrees who say, well, there is no God. And they're pretty impressive. And, you know, they're, they're people of authority. And they walk around and they say all of this stuff is not true. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. My friend, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit of God will witness to your spirit right this minute that what we have studied tonight is true and real. It's true. And it's real. And let me tell you this. You are invited. <laughs> you are invited. God wants everyone to come to his heaven. He sent Jesus Christ to make it possible that everyone could go to be with him forever in eternity. He wants you to be there. You might say, well, I've done some terrible things. I've done some awful things. And I don't think God would ever accept me into his heaven. My friend, he will. For God so loved the world, for God so loved you, he gave his only begotten son. His grace is greater than your sin. And no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter who you are, He will save you and redeem you. He will save you and redeem you. He will make you His child if you will repent, if you will believe in Christ, if you will give your life to Jesus Christ. He will save your soul. He will change your life now and forever. He will give you a home in heaven. And He will give you the blessed assurance that that home is real. Everyone's invited. Everyone. No matter who they are, where they are, or what they've done, everyone is invited. For heaven to be your eternal home, you must repent of your sin. You must repent. Confess to God that you're a sinner. Repent of that, which means you tell God, I'm sorry, and I don't want to do it anymore. I want to change. I want to be different. I can't change myself. Oh, God, you've got to change me. Help me. Come into my life and change who I am so that I can be different and live different. You must repent of your sin, and you must receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. You might say, well, there's so much about Jesus I don't understand. My friend, we're not saved by understanding. We're saved by faith. There's a lot about the Bible I don't understand. But I believe it by faith. And I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. I believe in Christ. He is my Savior. He is my Lord. He is my life. Give your life to Christ. He'll change your life in this world. Bless you in this world. Be with you in this world. And he'll make a home in heaven. For you, because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. And Jesus alone. Now you might say, well, I'm going to do that one day. Brother Chris, I understand, and I'm going to do that one day. I'm going to do that one day. Oh, my friend, don't presume upon tomorrow. <laughs> Life is fragile. Don't plan to do tomorrow what you should do today. Give your life to Jesus Christ today. Today is the day of salvation. Give your life to Jesus Christ 
today. Now, if you don't know how to do that and if you need some help, you can contact us here at Mercedes Baptist Church in Albany, Georgia. If you're on our Facebook page, just put something in the comments below this sermon. We'll get in contact with you. We'll help you. <laughs> we'll help you to understand in a greater way so that you'll give your life to Christ. Oh, what a day that will be. What a day that will be. Until then, however, we must be faithful in this world. Live for Christ in this world. Yes, it'll be hard. It'll be difficult. It'll be challenging. And sometimes we may be persecuted for it. But we must be faithful now to our Lord until he comes to take us home to be with him. Be faithful now. Be committed now. Don't give up. Don't stop. Keep serving Jesus until he comes to you one day and he says, come on home, my child. It's time to come home. <laughs> Thank you for joining us tonight. And our study of the book of Revelation will continue next Sunday night. We're getting closer to the end of our study. Thank you for being with us. Pastor Chris Hall, my prayer for you is that God will bless you. <laughs>